0: Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening,
1: and the day is almost over.
0: Let
2: us pray. Speak to us, living God, as you have spoken to our ancestors, through the voices of your prophets, the breath of your Spirit, and the life of your Son, so that we may live according to your word, through Jesus Christ, our Savior.
3: We belong to the body of Christ.
2: We belong to something greater.
3: Where everyone is included.
2: We belong to something greater.
3: Where all small tasks to help are significant.
2: We belong to something greater.
3: Where everyone is needed.
2: We belong to something greater.
3: Where each of us has our own gifts with which to serve.
2: We belong to something
3: greater than you or I or us together.
2: We belong to the body of Christ.
3: We come before God not as despised sinners, but as beloved children. With the confidence of children of God, let us humbly confess our sin. You have knit us together, your body, and we confess that sometimes we are busy pulling out the stitches, trying to go our own way, heedless of the needs of other members. You have made us one through your spirit, and we confess that we sometimes value our individualism over your call. You remind us that if we were all the same, there could be no body, and we confess that might be easier for us, even if it is not your will. You call us to work together, suffer together, rejoice together, and to follow your most excellent way. But the way of love is hard work. Cleanse us of our selfish desires and our arrogance, and fill us with your vision of justice, peace, and harmony. For we, though many, are one body. We ask this in the power of your one spirit.
2: God does not call us to wallow in our fracturedness. Instead, we confess and know God's healing, then move forward into God's call. Each of our bodies, as well as Christ's body, the church, is a place we experience God's grace and power. Friends, believe believe and live this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. The peace of Christ be with you and flow through, through you. So be it. Amen.
4: A reading from the book of Job,
2: chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. When Job's three friends heard about all this disaster that had happened to him, they came, each one from his home. Eliphaz from Timon, Bildad from Shua, and Zophar from Nahamah? <laughs> they agreed to come so they could console and comfort him. When they looked up from a distance and didn't recognize him, they wept loudly. Each one tore his garment and scattered dust above his head toward the sky. They sat with Job on the ground seven days and seven nights, not speaking a word to him, for they saw that he was in excruciating pain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be
0: to God. It comes from 1 Corinthians twelve twelve through 31. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts, and all the parts of the body are one body even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we all were given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I am not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just as God wanted. If all were one in the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor so that there won't be division in the body and so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. In the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, the ability to help others, leadership skills, different kinds of tongues. Aren't All, all aren't apostles, aren't they? All aren't prophets, are they? All aren't teachers, are they? All don't perform miracles, do they? All don't have gifts of healing, do they? All don't speak in different tongues, do they? All don't interpret, do they? Use your ambition to try to get the greater gifts, and I'm going to show you an even better way. Last week, I had what we call in the United Church of Christ an Ecclesiastical Council, or an EC, which is the final step in the ordination process in the UCC. At this meeting, which is traditionally held in person at a local church, I present my story, specifically my call story, explaining who I am and why I believe that I am called to ordination in the denomination. This is a meeting that is open to anyone who wants to attend and is usually composed of folks from the conference who will act on behalf of the conference and vote to ordain me. After the portion where I present my story, it is open to questions from the group gathered, ranging from questions based on my presentation to theological questions to self-care questions. What was amazing about my EC last week, aside from it or aside from being approved for ordination in the end, was that so many members of my community were there because COVID-19 moved it onto Zoom. My parents and my sister other extended family members and family friends, my friends from high school who I've known since kindergarten, my friends from college, from seminary, new friends from Athens, my mentors, and of course my church family and colleagues in my conference. It nearly brought me to tears, nearly brings me to tears to have been surrounded and supported by so many people in my life who have guided me and inspired me and shaped me into the person I am today. I would not be called to ordination without them and their presence in my life." The Christian faith puts community at the forefront of its existence and message. An ecclesiastical council in the UCC where the community comes together to affirm and support clergy is just but one small part of this. It is rooted in scripture and our tradition. Let us not forget that God incarnate came to earth in a person who was bound and received by family, by Mary, by Joseph, a God who was yet another child in a long line of God's people, a God who surrounded God's self with 12 close friends and dozens of others, including people like Mary Magdalene, Martha and her sister Mary, and Lazarus, a God incarnate who moves through ancient Palestine, liberating the people around him from the bondage of oppressive systems. A Jesus who on the night he was arrested gathered his friends together and they broke some bread and drank some wine and he told them to go, not alone, but together. Because this thing Jesus has done, has started, is not something any one of us can do alone because it was never done alone. We were meant for community. And let us remember that this comes in a history of clan and tribe, of a law not full of individual restrictions, but a means of shaping the community as a whole for the better, for the benefit of everyone, the poor and the stranger included, of prophets who called out the community and asked the community to do better and act justly together. Now, they did call out a number of wicked rulers individually, but it's because those wicked rulers were not acting justly toward the full community as they're supposed to. We see the way that faith impacts us personally in the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But we also see the way communal prayer and petition to God is just as common. Even in my own experience on days when I can't hold my faith on my own, I sit and rest in my community to hold faith for me and around me and vice versa. We read tonight just a brief section of the book of Job, my favorite book of the Bible, that highlights the epitome of what community can and should be like. Even in the midst of such pain, remember in that story, Job has lost his children, his wealth, and his health. Even during the worst time, our highest call as a community is to sit with our friends and not say anything, not try to fix it, not try to offer an explanation, which is where the friends in the book really start to get in trouble but just be with our friends, to not leave them to mourn alone. That, I think, is the absolute minimum we can do for one another and is a godly one. I do think our individualistic culture shapes our religion into a very personal endeavor. And of course, religion is personal. It's a personal attestation of belief or commitment to doctrines and a particular personal worldview that comprises a religious identity. But I think we have, to our detriment, neglected the significance of community in American Christianity. I think this is true in both the ways that we neglect how we are shaped and taught by our community, but also in the way we place ourselves individually before we do so collectively. We have made it all about me and my beliefs. For example, we have made salvation out to be solely about us and what happens to us when we die, and not about the redemption and reconciliation of all of God's of all of creation to God and to one another. But that is not what we are called to be. One of the illustrations used most commonly to to describe this connected community we call the church is that of a body, which comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. It is a model that states that the church is one body that has different parts that have to work together for the good of the whole. No one part is more important than the other. It acknowledges that we are all called, and more importantly, called to work and live and move and have our being together. We are all baptized by one spirit, which unites us, which unifies us, and we all have different roles in living out Christ in the world, which recognizes our diversity. And if one part is sick or hurting, we are all hurting. If the leg hurts, or more poignantly, if we are doing something to our leg to make it hurt, We don't turn to it and say, don't all body parts matter? No. We do all that we can to ensure that the leg receives the care, the justice. It needs to live a full and abundant life so the whole can live a full and abundant life. This is a body with mutual concern for one another that knows it is intertwined and interconnected and affected by all of its parts. We need each part, each gift, not just to be a good and healthy church, but to be Christ in the world. Our diversity of gifts, gifts our diversity in general, is one that reflects who God is. Paul is not describing how to run a church, though any church community should not be run by just one person. But Paul is saying that together we are Christ. We have been enlivened by the same spirit bestowed by Christ to do Christ's work in the world. Through a mutually, mutually shared union with Christ, we are so deeply bonded that we share one another's joys and sufferings. I preached at a church once who during the prayers of the people in response to whatever somebody shared, they would say your joy is now our joy and your prayers are now our prayers. This is the Christian community community being simply what it is, a community that cares. There will always be differences in the community and to ignore that for some kind of superficial harmony is dangerous. But I do think that this model, and I've said this in the past, can be overused and oversimplified. I think, too, sometimes our use of the word community can be overused because it neglects to take into account how hard community can be. That people who are supposed to love you don't always love in the way that they should, do not affirm you or support you as they should, and that pain is real and vicious and I am sorry. The church, too, this body can be poisonous The church was the first community that showed me people who had no obligation to love me could love me. But they also showed me from a young age that the church can also be one of the most malicious places. Sometimes one body, one part of this body says to another part, we don't need you. And what a detriment to the church, to this community of God's children that is or even if it doesn't say that out loud, it actively produces and inflicts pain on one part of the body and does not acknowledge the injustice it is committing. We are a community that is not always perfect and does not always get it right, and I am so sorry. I know my words cannot undo the damage that has been done, is being done, and that that pain might not ever go away. But what I can tell you Is that all of these people who are who have said we don't need you are wrong because we absolutely need you the church absolutely needs you you who are created beautifully and wonderfully in the image of god called a child of god are wanted needed celebrated and welcomed into the kingdom of god and what paul is doing in this metaphor is revolutionary for its time instead of enforcing a hierarchy within this model of the body this idea that the brain, for example, is much more important than all of the other lowly organs. He offers an egalitarian model, one that liberates us from the social structures of class in order to say that we need each other. No one of us is better than the other. We are called to be the body together. We are each placed exactly as God has created us and called it good, and it takes All of us, my friends, no exceptions.
4: It don't have a job, it don't pay your bills, won't buy you. Five easy steps ain't the love of the land or the government, but it's all The whole world we're know not, that we're not alone it's waiting for you knocking at your door in the moment of truth when your heart hits the floor in your And love will hold us together, make us a shelter to weather the storm. And I'll be my brother's keeper, so the whole world will know that for are not
0: Amen.
1: God is doing a new thing. It's a hard to describe thing, and it can be even harder to believe. But we come to this table in faith, because, well, God's new thing is a little bit like sitting at a table together with the people you most love and who most love you. Smiling eyes and roaring laughter, over-the-top compliments and too much wine. And it's like sitting at a table with the people you have wronged and those who have wronged you, and realizing that all who are here have learned and committed to do what is right, to live peaceably and to celebrate the divine spark that animates each life. There are grateful tears and long-awaited hugs and comfort food aplenty. And it's like sitting at a table with all the people you've never met nor understood, but maybe have judged from a distance, as maybe they have judged you, and for the first time coming to appreciate what an incredible gift their lives are to your own, to the entirety of God's creation, and knowing in the inmost part of your being that we are better together. A new thing indeed. I can't tell you much about exactly how God goes about accomplishing all of this, and I would be lying if I told you that I always believe that God will accomplish this, but I can tell you that if you desire to be a part of such newness, we've been invited to a tasting here at Christ's table. This isn't mine or Haley's table. It isn't the church's table. No, it's Christ's table. Christ is the new thing God has done and is doing, and all who desire to take part in Christ's life His death and new life are welcome to do so here, together, as one body, no exceptions. Beloved, the Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
0: In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Friends, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. And surely he will come again.
1: Beloved, these are the gifts of God for each and every one of us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, the table is set, the feast is prepared. Let us take into our own bodies the new creation of God, the body and blood of Christ, broken and poured out for you. Let us pray. God of grace, You invite us to your table and welcome us as part of your family. You feed us with your body and satisfy our deepest hunger. We thank you for these gifts. Now send us out into the world by the power of your spirit that we may be your witnesses sharing the life-giving news of the gospel. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Friends, may the God of glory, the Lord of life, and the spirit of truth be with you all. As God's own, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and patience, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, and crown all these things with love, which which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Amen.
1: Hey everyone, thanks so much for worshiping with us tonight. We are looking forward to being with you. uh, all of the different ways the rest of this week tomorrow night. If you have not had an opportunity yet to, to meet myself or Haley Lerner, our two campus ministers here at the Presbyterian Student Center, we hope that you'll join us for a cookout uh, on the PSC courtyard tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. until 7 p.m. And so that's designed just to lead straight into the Freshman Have group, which will be at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Um, so we hope to see you there. Bring your appetites. We'll have hamburgers and veggie burgers and all the things. Um, for for anybody who wants to join us, as well as long games and all the other fun stuff. Uh, on Thursday, we'll continue our journey towards Justice Book Club reading chapter 9 of How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, and then this weekend on Sunday evening, we'll continue with our uh, sophomore through grad student student Hovruta groups. Can't wait to see y'all again soon. Grace and peace this evening.